Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On today's show, Ben Elwood returns for part two of our Deep Dive Director episode of David Lynch's masterpiece, Mulholland Drive. My name is Justin Hamilton, and that cowboy over there is creeping me out here on Big Squid. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Make sure you've already listened to part one of our look at Mulholland Drive, possibly David Lynch's crowning achievement in his movie oeuvre. Uh, There's other movies that I like a little bit more, but I reckon this one is possibly his best. Uh, A quick reminder for Adelaide fans of the podcast, I'm producing a live Big Squid at the Rhino Room on September 16th, and my listeners can score themselves a discount when they type in Big Squid all one word for your specially priced ticket. The first wave of guests include Rove McManus, Tom Gleeson, Anna Richard and Ben Elwood, with another wave to be announced in the next couple of weeks. If you sign up to the Big Squid Patreon, you not only have access to all sorts of bonus podcasts, scripts and ticket discounts, you also have an episode dedicated to you. And today's shout out goes to Scott Tyker, one of my subscribers, who I've had some great online chats with. And uh, I forgot to mention this in the previous podcast, Scott, but as a fan of The Dude, have you seen the first two episodes of The Old Man? If you love Jeff Bridges, check it out and let me know what you think. In fact, any of you who are fans of Jeff Bridges, check out The Dude in action, in a very different role to The Dude, actually. It's it's very far away from a Coen Brothers film, but it's pretty fantastic. And the first two episodes are directed by John Watts, who... To be honest, I found his Spider-Man movies to be fine, but the action in these films is, uh, well, this TV series, I should say, is fantastic. So that is worthwhile checking it out. And Scott, I hope you enjoy part two of this podcast. If you'd like to join our Big Squid community, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid to find a tier that suits you. Now it is time to jump in a taxi in the middle of the night so we can catch a show at Silencio as we return to Mulholland Drive. What happened? There was an accident. A car accident. From David Lynch, the director of Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet. Could be someone's missing. The girl is missing. I just came here from Deep River, Ontario, and now I'm in this tree place. I don't know who I am. That money, you don't know where it came from. Oh, by the way, those two detectives came by again looking for you. Someone is in trouble. Something bad is happening. Now you got me scared. There is no band. And yet, we hear a band. Silence. 
remember something. What is it, Rita? What is it? What do you see? Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive? That's where I was going. Diane, the car's waiting. You coming? On the uh, part one of this podcast, we were talking about uh, Joe the Assassin who uh, accidentally keeps murdering people and how funny that scene is. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I forgot to bring up with you... Uh, by the way, we keep talking about Betty, but in Outside of the Dream, she's Diane. Mm, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. for the sake, I'm just Betty. kind of sticking with Betty yeah, for the yeah, moment. Yeah. But um, it's interesting. There's so many different blonde women in this movie, like mm-hmm. there's some Melissa George blonde woman. But Joe also talks to a girl who is a street worker, mm-hmm. messed up on drugs, maybe mm-hmm. both. Uh, she's a blonde as well. Uh, I feel like in that scene, that's actually, you know, that's part of, that's what Diane looks like when she yep. talks to him as well. So it's a it's an interesting point to um, bring up that, you know, all of these things come together. Yep. And uh, did, did you say um, that the, <laughs> the scary hobo represents the, uh, I, I don't know if you said this specifically. I can't remember, but uh, I'd written down here the note that I feel like the hobo's the ugly decision that Betty slash Diane yeah, makes yeah, with yeah. Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or you know, or or just that dark thing that lies behind the corner of the winkies in everyone's head. Yeah, you know, like uh, I think everyone has that creature in them. Yeah, you know, uh, it's you know thinking about uh, the. Uh, the blonde women in this film, uh, and you had mentioned that you had just rewatched uh, North by Northwest, which so is good. so good. I've been on a massive Hitchcock run of late, actually. Yeah, yeah. I've done great. eleven Hitchcocks this year. <laughs> yeah, right. I've done. Uh, do, do you remember um, oh, what was his name? Bill Channel Ten. Mm. Bill. I'm gonna have to look it up. He used to be the movie. Oh, the guy. movie guy. He was so good, and he used to do this. Um, he used to do this thing uh, back in the day where he would just put on uh, a list of movies mm. um, by the same director and he it would be like four nights in a row. It would be right. like Hitchcock or he did that for uh, Bill, Collins. Bill Collins. He did that for right. like two weeks or it would be... Um, you know, it was like Woody Allen movies, yeah, like, right. and and he would really discuss them. And great, he was, God, I miss, I miss that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's that's a skill that networks have lost. You know, well, curate, yeah, curating, kind of like essential Hitchcock or essential, yeah. you know, whoever that, that 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 form of entertainment's moved to podcasting, yeah, or video essays or whatever, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you need someone to kind of, you know, especially if you're not hugely experienced in movies to kind yeah. of separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Yeah. And just give you a way in. Yep. So, uh, yeah, all the, uh, all the blonde women in this, we get, uh, the waitress, uh, the, uh, you know, the, um, the real Betty, mm-hmm. uh, the street worker, we get Melissa George's character who gets the film. We get Adam's wife, wife, Lorraine yes. <laughs> and Betty. Um, and it's like you come to Hollywood to stand out and in the end you're reflected by everyone yeah, else. Well, even Rita, you know, well, wearing the blonde wig. Yeah, and that also fits in perfectly where if for the people who may not have listened to the first podcast yet or uh, or have forgotten, mm. you just told that story about the, the two <laughs> Marilyn. Marilyn Monroes. <laughs> so oh, good. Oh, gosh. And, and Betty in her dream is so wholesome and lovely. And uh, something that's quite fascinating is she's always looking up. Yeah. Always towards the, the sky. And it's a, a real representation of her sunny disposition. Her head's caught up in the clouds. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and in a darker turn, her journey is actually towards the light as well. Because yep. that's where she's going because she is on her way to Deadsville. She looks like a child looking at the lights at Vivid. Yeah. Just total, you know, almost peaking on life or... Yeah. You know, and, and, there's, and the possibility. And the possibility. And then and when they decide, when she's uh, with Rita and they decide to visit uh, Mulholland Drive, she mm. even says, you know, we can pretend to be different people, which yeah. is what yeah. we're actually watching all the way through this film. Mm-hmm. Um, the cowboy scene... <laughs> is another summation of the film for me. Like Diane's subconscious is speaking to her, he says to Adam, 
a man's attitude goes some ways the way his life will be. And by the end of the film, you wish Diane had been able to make this information work for her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another one of the creepiest scenes in a Lynch film, and all it is is, you know, his disposition towards electricity and not quite working and that that yeah, buzz yeah, yeah. with the light and well it's there's a lot of subtle stuff going on the guy i mean i i he does have very faint eyebrows but he doesn't look like he looks like he's got no eyebrows yeah which is automatically puts you into an uncanny valley kind of yep. weird place yeah but it's also that menace of that particular kind of man who does not need to display any kind of outward aggression or menace to be oh, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. To be terrified. Like, you know that this guy, you know, when, when he says, if you do good, you'll see me two more times. Yeah. If you do bad, you'll see me one more time. Yeah. Like, a, a, a worse director or a worse performer would have put, you know a music sting behind that yeah. or a shadow falls over his eyes or the fact that he's not saying, and that he looks ridiculous. You know, that's another, that's another thing that's, uh, that, that not enough people utilize. Like the, the guy looks like fucking Woody from toy story. Right. That makes him scarier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if he was, it, he would be ridiculous if he was like, oh, if, you, if, if you do good, yeah. me, 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 dressed like that, it wouldn't be scary. Yeah. It's it's that kind of disembodied, you know, I don't need to menace you yeah. for you to understand that I'm not fucking around. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. It's, and also just how quickly Thoreau is disarmed. You know, he's so fucking cocky. Yeah. You know, as he's driving up, like, <laughs> a cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> but he understands within a minute. Like, yeah, this is really fucking serious. Well, that's that's the turning point for him to finally just acquiesce and put Melissa George in his film. Yeah, because he knows that now there are there are forces out there that I actually can't control, and they will take me out. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. can I can have my petty childish uh, smash a car rage, yeah. but in the end, there's some stuff out there that I will not be able to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't a conversation. I mean, the cowboy doesn't wait for him to respond. He literally just turns away. Yeah, and the light fizzes out. Yeah, and it's done. It's done. Done. It's, there's there's no conversation here. That's <laughs> who do you think that the cowboy is in the real world, or in the? Because well, he shows up twice. Well, so she sees. So isn't the line something along the lines of, um, you know, if you if you see me once, you've done good. If you see me twice, that means something bad has happened. And then we, he's nah. the one that wakes her up. Hey, you need to wake up when she's on her deathbed which is kind of like the time to move on kind of thing. Right. And then... Uh, she sees him at the party. In At the party. And he might have just been some random guy at a party. Yeah, right. You know, it was like a big Hollywood party. So yeah, yeah, yeah. once again, she's plucked, you yeah. know, like your subconscious dance, when, especially when you're dreaming, yeah. just plucks images and people and things from yeah. uh, the background and yeah, then yeah, yeah. turns it into something else. Yeah. Like in the, in the real world, uh, you know... Uh, Camilla kisses Melissa George's yeah. character. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so suddenly, oh, well, that's the woman hmm. that he's going to have to work with, you yeah, know, yeah, after yeah. I've emasculated yeah, him yeah, in yeah, his that's in right. dream. Yes, 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 yes. It's so funny. It's such a good film to yeah. discuss and kind of put it all back together. Uh, Rita and Betty go to the diner Winkies, and when, they, when they're served by a waitress called Diane, she remembers the name Diane Selwyn. And when they find a number and call, there's, there is no answer. Uh, through Betty's projection of Rita, she is reminded of the truth of her existence, mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't she? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, you know. Well, it's like her, I mean, you know, because that's the thing to remember in this whole, the whole two-thirds of the movie, you know, none of these characters are real. They're all projections of yeah. Diane. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the whole time, it's like her subconscious trying to bubble up, or not even trying, just bubbling up. Yeah. Reminding her. Yeah. You know, that she that she isn't who she thinks she is. Yeah, you're not who you think you are. <laughs> yeah. I remember you actually took the name from her past. Yeah. And, uh, and and meanwhile, all the way through it, she's still being Chipper Betty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, now we can go into Mulholland Drive and pretend to be someone else. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You are. Uh, you are already <laughs> there, Betty. Crazy Betty. <laughs> uh, a fascinating moment in the film is when Betty and Rita rehearse the audition piece, yet when Betty goes in for rehearsal, a whole new side of her comes to the fore as the mm. sleazy, sleazy leading man pushes her into an 
overly sexualized encounter. Mm. Crazy moment. Like, uh, mm. I wonder if this is a mixture of what happened to her in the real world. Like, I wonder if she did go for an audition and had some guy kind of yeah, force yeah, herself yeah. on her in that way, which is very much, uh, you know, so I've been listening to the uh, podcast, You Must Remember This, oh, it's great. and uh, it's so good. Yeah. So the latest series is Sex in the Movies in the 80s. <laughs> and it is... Well, no, but it's, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, Karina Longworth is such a interesting cat in that she comes at angles where she kind of weirdly had a positive spin on flash dance you know like okay. m- maybe so, you know not saying it's the greatest film but you know here's things to take into account of what it was representing at yeah, the time yeah, yeah. even though it was being dismissed by critics and stuff like that um you know you hear oh the most awful story <laughs> about Glenn Close and how she was treated on the film set for The Jagged Edge with right. Jeff Bridges. Right. Uh, not by Jeff Bridges, but by the producer who was, uh, if anyone's interested in this stuff, it, all of her podcasts are fantastic, but, mm. you know, they wanted it close. First of all, they didn't want Glenn Close because this producer was like, she's matronly. And then, uh, then they were going to have a closed set for the sex scene and then they weren't happy with the sex scene and this guy was going around saying, you know, I'll be on that set and I'll show her how to fuck, you mm, know, Jesus like just Christ. awful. And then, um, but anyway, the reason I bring that up is uh, just uh, listen to the episode that's about nine and a half weeks in Wild Orchid with mm-hmm. Mickey Rourke, mm-hmm. another insane arsehole, yeah. <laughs> turned up to the set of Wild Orchids and everyone's like, what's going on with your face? And he's like, um, uh oh, I just had uh, all four of my wisdom teeth out. And it's like, he had cheek implants. It's the beginning of him going from being handsome Mickey Rourke to... Yeah, what the fuck is happening? Don't put a candle near him, he will melt. But uh, they tried to get Kim Bassinger to, you know, audition for the role and get down on her knees and crawl around on the floor and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, she was way too smart for them and just refused to do it. But So, you know, you see this scene... Yeah. Yeah, and you go, oh, that is gross. So maybe, maybe you know, yeah, the real Diane really did experience something like that. Um, I I wonder if it's an uh, an interpretation, a dream interpretation of what happened, and maybe she wishes she dealt with it. So maybe Mm. that was maybe that was a big role, and maybe she kind of actually coped with it the way she did in the rehearsal. But in her dream, maybe she. Cope, like that's how she wished she'd turned it yeah, on. And yeah, yeah, being yeah. Being that yeah. amazing actor who could, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. blow and everyone away. Them yeah. Rather than being disarmed herself. And what I think is also the key to that scene is the fact that she just turns it on and everyone's like, whoa. It's crazy. What happened? And yeah. everyone's clapping and even the guy's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like he's the one who initiates it and he's the one who can't cope with it. Yeah. But the key to it is immediately the two women who whisk her off. And denigrate the director. (laughs) Like, that's wish fulfillment as well. Yeah, of course. The two women go, yep, let's go with that. Oh, yeah, those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then uh, also then that's all within the context of the movie. But then if you take into account, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the squid bits, um, Naomi Watts had a really bad time trying to get into Hollywood, was Mm. constantly getting rejected. People didn't want to see her. People didn't want to talk to her. And then in the real world, People see that scene and they go, holy shit. Like, she can, like, we're getting this performance and then we get that little performance and then we get the bit at the end. It's a real showcase for me. Oh, man. I mean, the turn is just outrageous. Outrageous. Yeah. Like I said, I I, I talked earlier about the, when I watched this with um, an ex who was getting very irritated by the performance. Yeah. Betty. Yeah. Uh, I still remember her audibly. Gasping and her entire body language shifting when yeah. that scene starts to un because it really, you know, you remember it being this dramatic turn, but it really unfolds. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, it, you you know you have a moment of like oh whoa yeah, and then a minute later it's like whoa yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, once again there's all these moments where the dream starts to crumble yeah. you know and that's kind of the the crumbling of this perfect hey. Yep. Golly gosh, dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting sequence for Betty as she sees Adam on set and runs away. But when she's with Rita heading to the apartment, when they see scary men, Betty 
is in complete charge. Mm. But it's like like it's in a Nancy Drew way. Absolutely. You know? Nancy Drew is exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and this leads to the confrontation of finding the corpse of a woman dead for a couple of days. And once again, like if 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 that scene of her being in complete control is kind of like a little tinge of you know, something about the real world coming in, like suddenly now, mm-hmm. now the dream is beginning to unravel because she is seeing the reality yep. of what is going on. Yep. Yep. And what she, yeah, what she, what she actually is. <laughs> yeah. Also, sex and death go together. The fear of death leads to Rita deciding to physically transform into another blonde. Mm-hmm. And Betty even says, you look like someone else. And if, Betty is how Diane sees herself, then Rita is is the way she wants Camilla to be, in need of her, in thrall to her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, completely submissive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rita sleeps in bed next to Betty. Uh, Rita is a woman in control, while Betty is initially, you know, all buttoned up. Like, Rita's the European movie and Betty's the American movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and asleep, their faces in profile make one for the camera. And That's and a shot directly from a Bergman movie. A Bergman Persona. Yeah. It's exactly from Persona. Yep. And that's when Betty confesses her love for yep. Rita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because I, I, I coincidentally had watched Persona two days earlier for yep. the first time. Yep. Uh, and there's a lot of echoes. Yeah. I mean, I know that Persona was a hugely influential film on a lot of directors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were certain shots that were lifted directly from that. There's a funny scene in uh, Woody Allen's Love and Death when uh, the Diane Keaton, I forget the other actress's name, do that. And, yeah. they, and they just uh, keep chanting, uh, keep saying to each other, Wheat. Wheat. <laughs> That's kind of name it. The wheat. Um, later that night, Rita speaks the words uh, Club Silencio over and over until she wakes and assists they go out at 2am. In the background, the streetlights loom like crosses. Mm. It's like it's uh, such a vivid image. Yeah, there's a the re- re- um, real overexposure. Yeah. That's the first time yeah. as well that lights are doing that in this film. First time, yeah. yeah. And they enter a club called Silencio where everything is pre-recorded and the live act is but an illusion. Uh, now the dream begins to further collapse and Betty shakes and finds a blue box in her purse mm. that matches a strange key that Rita mm-hmm. possesses. Uh, what did you think of this scene? I... Every time I've seen this film, when um, uh, Rebecca Del Rey does her thing, it makes me cry a lot. Oh, my God. I don't know why. It's mysterious. It's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's just, I mean, the whole thing is just so... And and I think subconsciously as the viewer, you realize that the dream is unraveling as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first time truly nothing is as it seems. Well, also the choice to uh, have the Roy Orbison song uh, crying in Spanish. Mm. It it kind of, you know how you were saying the the cowboy without, you know, looking like he doesn't have eyebrows. It kind of adds to the uncanny valley of everything that's happening. And then it's such a... It's such an emotional performance. Yeah. And then when she collapses and the song keeps going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's that great thing of um, magic or, you know, they tell you from the outset, this is a trick. Yeah. And yet every time, like when the, you know, he's, the, 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 the MC is doing the whole, you know, no one's, everyone's miming, da, da, da. But when the trumpet player comes out, you're like, oh, he's playing the trumpet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. stops. And you're like, oh, no, he's not playing. He's and not- then he starts and then he does the final. Yeah. Like, oh, he's doing it. Oh, no, he's not. Yeah. So you're kind of, you know being pulled in and out of the reality of this as well. Yeah. You know, despite knowing full well that it's, you know, a, a, that it's not real. Yeah. So I think that thematically plays into what's going on with Betty as well as the dream crumbles. Yeah, the dream's crumbling. Mm. Maybe what we're experiencing in this world isn't real. Maybe some of the emotions we're experiencing because the yeah. uh, such an emotional performance and then yeah. it is pre-recorded and mimed, yeah. you know, lot going on here. Yeah. Also, uh, to get a little bit uh, self-indulgent, but it, it, it talks to the act and art of uh, creation. You know how I told you, like I've only seen this movie twice before, yeah. and I reckon, so I saw it when it first came out. Yeah. I honestly think it's been well over 10 years really? since I've seen it. Like I reckon it's been a long time. Yeah. And while I was um, watching it, I was like, oh shit, so... Do you remember when when I did the three dances yep. by itself? Yeah. There's a point I pre-recorded the interviews that happen. And the first time I would perform it, I would mime it and then stop in the middle of it 
and sure, the, you know, the audience would always yeah, ah, yeah, it'd be yeah, funny. Yeah. But by the second, I do the same thing the second and the third time, and it's not as funny now. Now it's you know, and I honestly had not remembered that scene. Like I hadn't even remembered Club Silencio. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you go, ah, I wonder if that nestled <laughs> in there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And then Absolutely. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's such. A, I mean, it's such an evocative image. Yeah. You know, and it and it raises so many questions about you know art and authenticity and yeah, you know our own kind of uh, participation in what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's such a uh, when that when that scene comes to an end, mm. I was a bit disappointed, but it lasts exactly the right amount of Absolutely. time because yep. you know you always want to be a little bit disappointed that something didn't go longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their reaction's so beautiful. You oh, know, yeah. Like Once I, again, they're, they're the perfect audience avatars, you know, the, their emotional breakdown yeah. watching this thing and you can't quite put your finger on what it is. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's very, very beautiful. Yeah. And, and, it, and it comes at a point in the in the story where, you know, I, I, there, there's, such a, there's such an air of mystery to what's going on and that kind of, you know, it all culminates in that, you know, this... I, I think you needed an act of beauty before everything turns really fucking ugly. Yeah, as well. Yeah, because it does. This it turns is, really awful. Yeah, after this, this is the last moment of innocence. <laughs> you know, this is why everything shakes and falls apart, <laughs> yeah. and you know, this is why you know Betty's like yeah. coming apart at the seams. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, Betty disappears, and Rita unlocks the blue box where it falls to the floor. The optimism of the dream is over and now is inter- it is interlocked memories that flash before her eyes. Uh, the cowboy tells mm. the sleeping beauty, hey, pretty girl, time to wake up. Mm-hmm. And Betty wakes in the apartment where the dead body was found. We discover her real name is Diane and she's in a deep depression over her failed affair with Camilla Rhodes, mm. a successful actor who looks just like Rita. This is where every previous scene begins to make sense of what just occurred and it is... Devastating. Yeah. It's a devastating moment. Well, this is the first time I realised. I think that it's not playing out uh, in a linear way. Yeah, that it's that it's all set in this moment of her waking up and seeing the key. Yeah, that means that the job's been done. Yeah, and then all of the stuff on Mulholland Drive and you know the sex scene and all are just flashbacks, basically happening just before she kills herself. Yeah, it's an unbelievable sequence. Well, is it? So that's interesting. So is the movie so do you think the movie is her dream before she kills herself? No, I, th- think I think it's all happening in her head as she's dying. As she's dying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's the death throes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's how, you know, how she wished it could have been. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Uh well, it's almost like she's heading towards the light by going out on a good memory. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, my last memories will be me uh, hang, holding hands with David Bowie saying, Dad, I'm so glad we got to spend so much time together. <laughs> and then Christopher Nolan say, you're the best brother I've ever had. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I'll eat a whole chocolate cake and not put on weight. <laughs> That'll be my death dream. <laughs> it's a good dream. <laughs> but that's why I get confused with uh, the cowboy coming in and saying, time to wake up, pretty girl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, how to, what, whatever. I'm trying to find one-to-one correlations and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, she's still asleep. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah. you know, because he's menacing in the, mm. you know, he's the arbiter of truth, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, her. that's true. Yeah. So I guess he then takes on that role for yeah. her. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird seeing him. It, like, it, it, you're completely right about, uh, like, not enough movies just lean into... Well, let's freak everyone out. How? He's in a cowboy's costume. Yeah, yeah great. That yeah. is weirding me out. Yeah. Like, it weirds me out that he's in that LA room with yeah, her yeah, yeah. dress like that. Well, an incongruity that's not commented on. Yeah. And that, that makes you feel uncomfortable if you were to comment on it. Yes. Like, it's forbidden to even... By, it's implied that to even point it out might cause trouble. Yes, yeah. So... You know, it's why are you in a cowboy suit? Why am I in a cowboy suit? Knife in the neck. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, there's a. I've, I've talked about it with you before. That that documentary, the act of killing. Yeah. About the um, Indonesian genocides. Yeah. Uh, and they recreate one of their memories of murder, uh, in bright pink cowboy hats, and one of the genocidal dictators is dressed like a bordello woman from a cowboy western movie. Right. 
It's not commented on, and it's terrifying. Right. It's fucking horrible. Even as a sentence, it's off. <laughs> He's wearing this really garish makeup, right? Rouge and stuff, yeah. And like pleading for his life, pretending to be one of his own victims, right? And they never say like, ha ha ha. He's dressed like you know, fucking someone from Annie Get Your Gun, right? It's it's awful. Yeah. You know, it's that whole kind of inversion of you know, like singing in the rain in a clockwork orange or something. Yeah, it's yeah, black. yeah, yeah. Jeez, I might have to have another shower after this. <laughs> I'm suddenly feeling like I'm on our listener's side. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this has been grotty. Um, so, you know, the, uh, we, we discussed this earlier, but uh, in the notes here, the weirdness of the detectives we never see again comes from yeah. the neighbour saying that two detectives came looking for her. Uh, so, I guess, therefore, that's why she had to change apartments. Is that all? Was yeah. she in an affair with that woman, possibly? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, changing, you know, she's changed locations, changed identities. Yeah. You know, it could all be yeah. reflective of the same thing. Yeah. Um, and the blue key is the object the assassin will leave at her house to let her know the job has been done. By the way, also underrated in the creepiness, it's in her apartment. Yeah. So, well, and, and also, you know, when she says, what does it unlock? And yeah. his reaction is horrifying. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a good actor, Mark Pellegrino. He's been around for a long time, turning right. up in lots of stuff. Uh, the man she makes eye contact with at the diner is the man who feels the need to follow his dream into Winkies and then mm. blop, mm. has a heart attack. Uh, the waitress's name is Betty and waitresses in Hollywood stories are often actors waiting for their big break. Yep, absolutely. Uh, another blonde. Her aunt is dead. Coco is Adam's mother. That's a, yes. you know, <laughs> that's another tasty little twist yeah. in her subconscious, bringing all of that together. Yeah, absolutely. So good. Um, what do you think of the Betty Diane revelation? Um, often saying a moment was just a dream is a cop-out, but here it's important. If we if were just told the story of Diane, we'd have less sympathy. You know, if we just followed Diane... As Diane, you'd be. Um, well, oh, it's just, she's awful. It's, yeah, well, then it's just a revenge story. Yeah. Uh, you know, you wonder if the confusion that people felt at the time was because, you know, there was a period, it might have changed now a bit with like whole stories about parallel realities and alternate lives and stuff being in the yeah. mainstream. But there, do you remember there was a period where, you know, it was all just a dream was like the ultimate lame ass yes. you know like if you did an english exam in high school and it yeah. ended with you would fail yeah if you wrote it was just a dream yeah you know I, I wonder if at the time people's confusion was kind of like a subconscious rejection of that oh narrative. yeah that's a good point yeah you know, like it, that that's a fucking lame ending yeah whereas you know it's one of the only times where it's like oh no that's actually fucking great yeah it's a great revelation yeah. that it's just a dream well it's really important because betty is the key to uh making us in the end empathize with Diane's fate yeah. because it's she's the manifestation of her hopes and dreams so Absolutely. we have to spend all this time with her Absolutely. even though it becomes you know over time the gee golly imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. aspect of it is like oh my god well, but it, the contrast is yeah needed. yeah and remember that betty is real we see we see diane as betty in the jitterbug yeah opening yeah so that part of her is not completely a construct no it's not just like she's this awful hollowed out yeah fucking murderer yeah who's imagined herself as a nice person yeah she probably started out exactly like that and you know 
it's not just that her dreams have been crushed. Rita is a fucking cunt. Yeah. She's horrible to her. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to break up with someone. It's another to, like, trick them and torture them. And, yeah. you know, like that whole, you know, and of course that her having the gun pulled on her in the dream on Mulholland Drive in the limo and everything. And and then yeah. the ensuing confusion and carnage and everything. I mean, that's the emotional reaction that um, Diane feels. It's yeah. like, why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you make the limo driver pull over on Mulholland Drive, go on yeah. this romantic walk through the woods, yeah. only to take her to a party and rip her heart out in front of... And make out with Melissa George. It's horrific. Yeah. It's so horrible. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's not to justify hiring a hitman to kill her. No. But, you know, you understand that heartbreak and that the, the, the savagery of how betrayed she feels. And, yeah. You know, it's so... If, the, the the revelation that everything we've seen is a dream is beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, she's been betrayed by Camilla and she's been betrayed by a dream and she's been betrayed by what she thought was going to happen in Hollywood. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a really sad movie. Yeah. Um, when Diane sees the key on the table and realises the deed has been done, yeah. she spirals into confronting hallucinations. The older couple crawl in under the door. Awful. Like awful, just, <laughs> just like awful. When, you know, <laughs> like I kind of understand that I, why I watch this movie once every ten years, even <laughs> though I ostensibly think it's brilliant and, yeah, yeah, and love yeah. it. Yeah, but it is like, oh my god, there's something, <laughs> something so full on about that. Um, so the older couple uh, crawl in under the door as the, and as the dream collapses, Diane pulls out a gun and takes her own life. Uh, we finish with her and Camilla overlapped in Hollywood, laughing and full of hope. We return to Club Silencio, where mm. a woman looks at us and whispers Silencio. Mm. Uh, in the end, you know, what does this movie say to you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't dream too big, kids. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, at least, and it's probably something that I try, I, I struggle with. It's like, because, you know, I probably go too far in the like, don't dream at all. Uh, maybe it's a thing of like, you know, it's good to have dreams. Yeah. But maybe, you know, beware of defining yourself solely by your aspirations or your dreams. Yeah. You know, you need to have a, a sense of fulfillment or a sense of self outside of a dream. Yeah. Might not work out or alternatively could be taken away from you at any time. Yeah. You know, if, if you rely on your sense of contentment or happiness on external factors, it's a fucking dangerous game to play. You need to find some kind of internal resonance. Yeah, and, you know, like we, we've talked about this before, but when I was younger, I used to watch the comedians who are now our age. Mm. And I'd think, oh, my God, they're so... Not all of them, but a lot of them are really angry and yep. uh, doing... Uh, there was a lot of drug use back then, a lot of alcohol abuse, yep. uh, a lot of kind of... Uh, Latent fury. Yep. And then uh, I always, always remembered that. Uh, so many gigs with those kinds of acts. Yeah. Hard to perform with as yeah. well, you know, because you'd feel it on stage. And I was, I was very cognizant of all of that stuff. And I was like, okay, well, this is, I wasn't judging them, but I was like, they, they couldn't have been that when they started. So I've just nah. got to think my way through this yeah. and, and just keep it in the back of my head. And then as you get older, you go, oh, yeah, I see what it is. It's that you have put your life and your hopes into this career and you are hoping that it's going to lead somewhere. And and sometimes the bitterest of comics that we deal with are ones who are still doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. It's just that it hasn't been right exactly where they wanted. And Which then, nothing ever is. Well, you know, for... For the majority of people there, that's correct, you know. And so being incapable of enjoying mm. where you're at. It, it's like, yeah. uh, I'm not saying that you uh, are like that, but it, was, it reminds me, before we started recording, we were talking about, um, you know, you, you were talking about, oh, you know, you write for these two really f famous Australian TV shows yeah. that people love. Yeah. And every time... If someone asks you and you bring it up, you're a little bit surprised that when they go, wow, and you're <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah, nah, yeah. just work on it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and 
you know, like there's there's the other side. You don't want to be like, look at me, yeah, I'm working course. on all these yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. But it's a reminder because we're caught up in the daily grind. Like I tried to, yeah. like, you know, I, I told you that I found out that The Chase was the number one show outside yeah, of yeah, the yeah. news in Australia, like beating all the shows at night. Yeah. And it's like, like I, I ostensibly don't give a shit about ratings, but it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's nice. Like, I, should, I should feel good about yeah. that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but it's uh, a balancing act. It is a balancing. You act. You don't want to get too caught up your own ass. Yeah. Well, yeah. no. I, now I introduce myself. So, Justin Hamilton, talent producer on the number one show just <laughs> outside the news in Australia. <laughs> uh, yeah, Larry Emder came on, but uh, look, to be honest, it's uh, it's about the throwaway jokes that no one remembers. To be honest, I think it's all about that. I think it's all about that. Do you remember the line that uh, the governor said to Larry about shaving his head at night to put hair in his hair into a special pillow? Yep, that was me. That was me. I bet you all talk about it. Um, you know, there is a comedian. <laughs> there is a, um, I won't mention his name uh, on air, but there is a comedian in Melbourne who, uh, in their defence, I have not seen them in a long time, but were furious at Hamish and Andy. Furious at Hamish and Andy uh. because, you know, and said to me in plain English, you know, they they took my career. Mouth that person's name to me? No, I'll tell you afterwards. Okay, right. And because uh, I don't trust myself because <laughs> I'm, I'm immature and I'll say it. So I've got to just, I can't even mouth it. You can always bleep it in post. No, nah, I'm not that smart. <laughs> I don't have that much time. That would, like then I'd have to write down. Okay, write the yeah, and I'll go back. But anyway, um, they took what, my career. Yeah, like literally said that. Oh, and what, what I find fascinating about that was they weren't in radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like no, no. But that's what the but that's what the business does to you. It, it, it makes does. you jealous about opportunities that someone got that you were never even in the mix for. Never be upset, you know? for not having the job that you didn't want. Or that you were never even, you know, I can't believe Kate Blanchett got cast as Queen Elizabeth. I'm so angry. Yeah, you were never up for the role of Queen Elizabeth and yeah. you're not an Oscar winning actor. Like, what you're are you a barista. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? You don't even do acting. You don't even go to the movies. <laughs> Have I told you the story about, um, I w- again, I won't name who it is, but uh, someone getting really uh, upset about me getting a bunch of ads in a row? Oh, uh, Jeez, that sounds in a, nut- uh, in a nutshell, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. crazy. It's like I was at an audition uh, when I first got into doing ads. I, keeping in mind, I haven't booked an ad in five plus years. Yeah, but when I first got into doing ads, I got three in a row, like one after the other: uh, 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 an NRMA ad, a Tiny Teddy's commercial, and a and a, uh, a Ford ad. And in all for, f- for for a brief moment, I just totally misheard what you said, and I was like, "An NRA ad? Wow, that seems out of qu- oh NRMA." Yep. <laughs> and in all three, I got cast as dumb, fat Aussie dad. Amazing. And I was in my early thirties at the time. Great. Dumb, middle-aged, fat <laughs> Aussie dad. Uh, and I'm at an audition, filling out my paperwork, and a comic we know, who's ostensibly tall, quite good-looking, uh, comes in. And he's like peeking over my form at where you fill in, uh, you know, previous commercials on air. And he starts getting really like, you know, chesty, like gollumy. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, huh, you've been booking a lot of ads lately. And I'm like, yeah, man, they keep casting me as fat, dumb Aussie dad. And I really don't think he meant this maliciously. I really feel like this came from his own fucking weird place of jealousy. Yeah. But he goes, yeah, man, you're just so fucking lucky. You got that dad bod. It's really good for booking ads. I'm like, you're fucking mentally ill, bro. Yeah. Like your consciousness is so twisted into a pretzel now that you're jealous of me for being overweight and bald. Yeah. Because I booked three ads. Yeah. Three fucking shit ads where like the only reason they picked me is because it's like oh you look like the average dumb dad that'll yeah. sell our product yeah there was no nothing about talent there's yeah. nothing about you know anything other than oh you could sell a product and you're jealous it's crazy like it's that's, crazy that's in that's insane it's but it's a but it's a it's a manifestation of the mental illness that this business creates in people. Yeah, where they start measuring their successes or or just how good they feel about life based on these metrics that bear no weight in actual reality. You know, there is something 
delicious about that. Like, because that is like, what a what a insane, insane thing to well, say to it someone. Was one of those, it was one of those things where it's like, I was like laughing, going, fuck you. I'd give anything to have your head of hair and, and be as tall as you. But in reality, it's like, no, I really wouldn't. Because if it meant living in that fucking head. Yeah. No. He probably went and saw that movie with uh, Kumal Nanji where his wife nearly dies of cancer. Thought, oh, I wish I had a wife who nearly died of cancer. <laughs> oh, man, that guy's so lucky he got to make a movie about it. <laughs> Far out. Crazy shit. People are hard work. Yeah. New podcast. Uh, Squid Bits. Yep. Mulholland Drive was originally written and shot as a 90-minute open-ended pilot for ABC. Mm. They hated it. So about a year <laughs> later, Studio Canal... Bought it and Lynch had zero idea on how to turn it into a movie. He said, <laughs> One night I sat down. The ideas came in and it was the most beautiful experience. <laughs> Everything was seen from a different angle. Everything was then restructured and we did additional shooting. Now, looking back, I see that the movie always wanted to be this way. It just took this strange <laughs> beginning to cause it to be what it is. You know what? I don't know why we've been putting it out to the Patreon subscribers on who we should do for our uh, next director. It, can, it should just be who we can do impersonations of. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go, we'll watch a whole lot of YouTube clips and once we can work out who we can nail, All right. then we'll do it. Uh, interesting though, so it's a 90-minute open-ended pilot and, you know, that's where you suddenly go, oh, those detectives would have been a... Well, they, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You watch this and it really feels like it. that, that first hour and a half really does feel like it could be a series. Yeah. You know, oh, there's the, assa- like all the different characters that we yep. need. It feels like it could spin off into, you know. Devastated we didn't get more of that assassin. So great. Like the, the, the useless assassin. <laughs> <laughs> but so do you know if stuff was cut out? Like, do you know what is, like what that pilot would have looked like? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, there's a crazy person yeah. on the street. You know what? He's going off. Uh, it's just gotten to a point in my life where it happens so often. It's like white noise. It is like white noise. <laughs> it's like um, I remember a mate of mine stayed over and so, you know, here, you know, I've got this big lounge room yeah. and um, I've got a nice blow-up bed, really comfy, yeah. and set them up and then said goodnight, went to sleep and then woke up. I had such a good sleep and then I came in and I said to my mate, how are you doing? He said, like, I have had the fucking worst sleep, like the shit that goes on out there. And I was like, yeah. It does. He said he slept through all of it, didn't he? I went, yeah. It's like living under a flight path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, I don't quite know what was taken out, but um, uh, uh, hang on, we'll go into this because yeah. there's some stuff in here. Um, uh, just while I think of it, considering Lynch smashed a TV screen with the Twin Peaks movie, his, he returned to ABC <laughs> to pitch a movie. It's kind of ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he said it's because he loves a continuing story and TV provides you ability to yeah, make right, that. Right, right. Uh, the original pitch was Rita emerging from the car accident with $125,000 in cash and the blue key in her bag and then Betty trying to help her find out who she is. Sure. So that was the original pitch. Okay. Um, interesting. Sherilyn Fenn said in a 2014 interview that the original idea came during filming Twin Peaks as a spin-off film for Audrey Horn. Wow. I wonder if there's a little bit of that with Audrey's weird truncated tale in Twin Peaks The Return as well, mm, you know, because mm. Audrey's in some kind of disconnected life. Yeah. yeah. Um, Laura Haring, who plays Rita, who we should... By the way, we've talked heaps about Naomi Watts. Yeah, she's Watts. fucking great. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. I, I, just, I guess nothing really panned out for her, right? I haven't seen her in other stuff. Uh, that's a good question. Um, let's have a look. Uh, looks like she's... You know, like she's made, made a lot of uh, movies since yeah. then, but I don't... Um, Nothing. Oh, <laughs> funny. In 2007, uh, she was in a 2007 American mystery comedy film called Nancy Drew. <laughs> so that's, uh... Oh, and in 2011, and I can't click on it because there's nothing there. But she was in a short film playing Julie Jacobs, and that movie was called Elwood. <laughs> Very nice. Yep. You guys should marry. Well, you have that in common. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So, uh, 
Laura Herring, who plays Rita, was in a minor car accident on the way to meet Lynch and then discovered her character would also be in a car accident to start right. the film. Uh, Justin Theroux met Lynch after a long flight with little sleep, dressed in all black and with untidy hair. Lynch loved the look so much that he kept it <laughs> for the character. I love Adam. it. Yeah. I love the way you're dressed. <laughs> uh the old lady is called Irene, whose name is... Wait, uh, which old lady? The the old lady. The old lady and the old man. The old lady. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, the yes, old yes, lady yes, yes. is called Irene. Yeah. And so I just a little, you know, I love just checking this now and again. Uh, that comes from the Greek for peace. Mm. And that made me go, oh, let me just work out some other things. Diane is derived from the word divinus, which means divine. Mm. And uh, Betty is short for Elizabeth, which means oath of God. Right. So, anyway, that was just, I don't know if any of those, uh, uh, you know, happenstance. But yeah. um, um, is Irene the real aunt? Uh, th- sorry, this is getting back to your question. Is Irene the real aunt who leaves the money for Diane to be able to make the trip to Hollywood? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, I think it's open-ended. It could be a grandparents, it could be a parents. Could be the, I, 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 li- I like the interpretation that they're the judges of the jitterbug contest. Oh, yeah. The kind of ones that, that kick off the whole fucking dream slash nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's that's a good one. Yeah, so I'd written down, um, if she's the aunt, it would explain why they're so chipper and in the end haunt her. And mm-hmm. uh, we only get Irene's name too. Uh, if we believe this story about the subconscious putting things together, is the audition scene something that happened to the real Diane? If so, and Irene and the old man are her aunt and uncle, is that the reason one is named? Who leaves the money behind in her will to make up for something terrible? Oh, yes, yeah, so there is, um, there is maybe... Um, Maybe the uh, uncle did something bad to her when she was young and Maybe. Irene leaves the money in uh, to make up for it. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those great ones where, you know, it could be five or six different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is great, yeah. you know. Uh, Adam Naiman, who uh, I quite like his work, uh, he pointed out that this movie leans into Lynch's artistic compulsions and reveals them in a new light. Actors Naomi Watts and Laura Elena Herring have shades of the blonde brunette type in Blue Velvet that is also between Laura Dern and Isabella Rossellini. Mm. There's the surreal criminal headquarters, which feels like it is <laughs> yeah. part of the Black Lodge and Twin Peaks, yep. and the persona swapping recalls Lost Highway. Yep. Uh, Eric G. Wilson in The Strange World of David Lynch talks about the scene in Silencio where the sound continues while the performers are removed from the stage, which he believes reveals the inherent qualities of artifice in film and in life itself. Mm. Everything we see and hear is a copy of an absent original. All is, in this way, derivative, artificial, a film. Life is an immense movie whose script and director have disappeared. It is an illusion divorced from truth, a dream. Uh, Lynch gave... Like that pa- what's that famous painting? I can't, don't know who did it, but the painting of the pipe painting. This is not a pipe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, who did do that? Yeah. Um, Lynch gave Watts the role based on a headshot and said, I saw someone who had a beautiful soul. Uh, Watts had said that the 90s were soul-destroying as casting directors weren't interested in her and Lynch changed all of that. Uh, The scary bum who jumps out at the diner is played by an actress, Bonnie Ahrens. Mm. Good work, Bonnie. Before (laughs) shooting the scene where Adam gets beaten up by the pool cleaner, Justin Theroux asked Lynch what was going on and he replied, I don't know, buddy. Let's find out. (laughs) Thoreau said in an interview in 2021, it's like you're on an escalator into a cloud (laughs) working with Lynch. Uh, Naaman also postulates that Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive and Inland Empire form a caustic trilogy of films Mm. about the business of filmmaking. A big, awful, over-the-top mobster run the industry and it makes sense Lynch would feel this way as he moves further and further away from the mainstream. Absolutely. The scene in which Betty sees Melissa George's character in her Doris Day outfit has Adam looking longing, longingly to give Betty a shot but having to go with the starlet the mob have insisted on. This is another key to how Diane feels about the industry she has found herself lost in. Mm. So uh, this is getting back to what you were talking about earlier. When the DVD was released, not video, it came with a card that said... David Lynch has 10 clues to unlocking this thriller. Mm. These are the clues. Pay attention in the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. Notice appearance of the red lampshade. Can you hear the title of the film that Adam Keisha is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? That's the Sylvia North story. Mm. An accident is a terrible event. Notice the location of the accident. Mm -hmm. Who gives a key and why? Mm -hmm. Notice the robe, the ashtray, the coffee cup. 
Wait, wait. The robe, the ashtray, and the coffee cup. Yeah. I know the ashtray. Oh, the robe, yeah. Yeah. Okay, the coffee cup, I don't know. Uh, what is felt, realized, and gathered at the club Silencio? <sighs> Did talent alone help Camilla? Mm. Uh Note the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. Wait, 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 wait. Stop for a second. Did talent alone help Camilla? Because the photo of Melissa George is Camilla as well, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Very, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and Wait, sorry. What was the, the one about the Winkies? Yeah, I was going to... Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, note the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. Yeah. And where is Aunt Ruth? <laughs> where is Aunt Ruth? She's dead. They're actually good clues. So, you know, when you were saying... Yeah, you they're know, good clues. They're actually... It's not like, is this a dream? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> Which yeah, is yeah. what you kind of... When you hear that there were clues, you're thinking, yeah. oh, God, why are you spelling it out? Well, it doesn't really spell it out. Just, yeah, no, it just sort of clues. It just sort of says, um, hey, look over there. Yeah. It's, that's kind of what yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pay attention. Um we know how much reverence Lynch has for the Wizard of Oz, and this could be a dark version of that, except where Dorothy was able to discover life beyond Kansas was scary, so she could return home. Diane learns the same truths, but will never return to Canada, dying alone in her motel room. Oh, sorry, I was just feeling better about myself. Can I recommend for you and for anyone that's interested in Lynch that documentary I saw yeah. last week, Lynch slash Oz? Yep. It was great. Yep. I really enjoyed it, and it really... I feel like, you know, we were talking earlier that there's people who are having a hard time getting into his work. Mm. I feel like that's a really good entry point. Yep. You know, it really, it's just six really passionate people breaking down why they love his films. Right. In relation to how Wizard of Oz was a great influence on him. Yep. Uh, And watching it at a cinema was brilliant. There was about a hundred people there, all massive Lynch fans. And so everyone was laughing and clapping the whole way through. It was great. Yeah. Geez, much better than the last experience where you said, let's go to the movies and be clapping and cheering and having a good time. And then you took me to see Old Boy for the first time and everyone walked out like their their heads were on fire. I couldn't believe how f- fucking weak everyone was. They walked out like they were at a funeral. I really thought we'd all be having a great time. Yeah. Turns out not. Anyway. It's very funny. Like, it's a very funny experience. You know what? I think that movie hit me harder between the eyes than it would have because you, 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 your pitch was kind of along the lines of, this will be like when you saw everything everywhere all at once at the cinema. I did not fucking... Did I say that? That was kind of your pitch, yeah. I said it's a filthy movie. I did warn you that you, it's you like said the it was dirtiest be, movie No, no, but seen. you said it's going to be fun. Fuck. Like, everyone's going to be laughing in that. I did. I really did expect yeah. people to be... Like, during the big fight scene and everything, I yeah. thought everyone would be clapping nah, and no cheering. Everyone's dead no, silent. You know, what it, you know what the problem was? Uh, it was the fucking... Film festival. It was a film festival audience who were so serious that the movie hadn't even started yet and we got I got out some snacks. And, like, the film hadn't started yet. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, a woman yeah. looked over her shoulder as if to say, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like... It, it hasn't... Like... I'm one of those people who hates it when... Like, yeah, you go yeah, up and yeah, tell yeah. people off. The movie hasn't started. I know. There were so many moments in that that are, like, laugh moments. Like, when he raises the hammer to cave that guy's head in and the animated dots go... And form a line from the hammer to the guy's yeah, head. Uh, yeah. That's a great laugh moment. Yeah, and yeah. no one laughed. Yeah. Or when, uh, the, or when he leaves the building and the guy fucking falls on the car with his dog in his hands. Like, that's a... Like, it's dark, but it's fucking funny. Yeah. And I noticed... Like, no one I, laughed. Well, I... Um, Crazy. I laughed at the dog like yeah, the guy yeah, falling yeah, with yeah, the dog yeah. and then no one else was laughing and then i just stopped laughing for the rest of the film no, I, know. I was like I, I became really self-conscious yeah you don't want to be that person yeah. roaring with laughter in the middle of a movie that's disturbing everyone else. yeah i don't want to be robert de niro in cape fear <laughs> um the blue book in diane's home is called tout paris and is subtitled the source guide to the art of french decoration the weird things that I find sometimes. <laughs> uh, the cowboy states, now you will see me one more time if you do good. You will see me two more times if you do bad. Diane sees the cowboy at Camilla's party, yeah. just like some random dude minding his own business. The second time she sees him, he says this line to Adam. The third time it's when he tells her to wake up. She's done bad. So she sees him two more times after the party. Mm. Uh, Bob Brooker is the director of Sylvia North's story in real life. He is the one that picks Camilla over Diane. But in this version, Betty wins without any competition and then doesn't even want the role. So she mingles memory with dream like logic for this season, uh, for this scene. Uh, the woman, Louise, who is the neighbour in the complex, looks like she is reality, trying to bring Betty back to the real world, mm-hmm. maybe trying to even save her, you know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, 
Coco's taking her away. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 no. What are you doing? Come yeah, over yeah, here. That's right. Uh, she says, you know, someone is in trouble. Something bad is happening. And uh, when Betty says that's uh, that's her real name, uh, Louise says, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, so yes, it is. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I wonder if that's kind of like the, 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 the prettied upside of the person popping out the crazy, scary hobo. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Uh, and finally... Um, in a poll conducted by the BBC in 2012, uh, Mulholland Drive was selected as the greatest film of the 21st century. It's pretty great. Can I can I give us a good bit that you didn't yeah, say? Yeah, I'm yeah, actually, absolutely. I'm actually surprised you didn't pick up on this. Uh, the scene with... The Sorry, mate. Flight, flight. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I only, <laughs> only spent hours working on it and I missed one thing. Like, fucking hell. All right. Yep, so no, well, go on. You know go what? on with your like, one little fucking squid bit, I mate. only picked up on this this morning when I was watching a documentary about it. I wouldn't, and it, um, you know the scene with the two brothers, <laughs> the mafioso brothers? Oh, yeah. The guy with the espresso? Yes. That spits the espresso out? Yes. You know who that is? Not off the top of my head. That's Angelo Badalamente. Oh, fuck. I, Lynch's you know great what? composer. I, I, only, I only noticed that this morning. I did actually see that. And, and apparently it's based on it a story that um, yeah, Battle Lamente told Lynch. And Lynch was like, I love that story. You got to play that character in the movie. Well, then also the um, the the guy for the ABC who supposedly hated the movie, mm. uh, the pilot, mm. watched it at like 6am while drinking coffee. <laughs> it was like, Espresso. It's 6am drinking coffee going... <laughs> Oh, what's this? I'm not fucking using this. Like, why are you watching this at six a.m.? I've always, uh, you know, I think it's important what time you watch a film. It's oh, like really? um, I, the the one Paul Thomas Anderson film I haven't enjoyed in the last uh, that, that I've never gone back to is Inherent Vice. And I think the problem was I saw it at a preview because this was back when I was doing reviews. Mm. And it was a ten a.m. preview, and Terrible. it just Bad like idea. I wasn't I wasn't into the day quite. Yet. It's a late night movie. It's a late night movie. Late night half stoned movie, to be honest. Yeah. It's a great movie to watch high. Yeah. Man, it would be. We should um, uh, do a Inherent Vice Big Lebowski double. The first time I saw Inherent Vice, I was really stoned, and all of the criticisms of, you know, it's just meandering. It's like it was just a perfect reflection of being high. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, now we're here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, uh, like I enjoyed The Big Lebowski when I first saw it, but it wasn't until I was high that I really great. clicked. But also, um, funnily enough, same experience with A Serious Man. Oh, really? Yeah. I reckon A Serious Man is one of the most underrated, hilarious oh, movies so funny. of all time. It's so funny. And I reckon it kind of clicks a little bit more together when it's you're a, a little movie. bit... <laughs> One more Lynch film to go. Mm. Though you know what's interesting is every time I keep of. looking of um, lists of David Lynch films, they always put Twin Peaks: The Return in. We're not. I doing just tw- We're not doing it. No, no, no. But <laughs> I, I just like like I know you can say it's an eighteen-hour movie. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, I think I think they need to change the list title to the works of David Lynch. Yeah, I think than so the, too. The films of yeah, but uh, you know, although having said that, uh, I've recently thought that I probably will watch the re- the return soon. Yeah, like rewatch. Well, it's it's because we've been going through all these films, yeah, and and you, you're like you're in the vibe. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're on yeah. the roll, and it's like, oh, I wonder what I'll. Discover this time totally, and I think so much stuff that was maybe like what the fuck, you know, a couple of years ago when I wasn't immersed in his world and his language would just be like part of the course now. I tell you what, the the person I really want to retouch, uh, reconnect with is Dougie. Yeah, absolutely. Like the like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like um, I wish he would do a, a new Twin Peaks series, but it's 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 none of the other characters. It's just Dougie and he, it's just kind of, he's somehow now president and, and the, the world's a much better place. President Dougie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Ben for being a part of this two-part podcast. Uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on this movie. So you can either leave them under the Mulholland Drive post on patreon or join our big squid private page where we have a thriving community of good people talking about all the art and entertainment that they're loving at the moment uh also if you're going to sign up can you just answer the questions please i know that 
sometimes you can't be asked and sometimes the questions feel like, oh, do I have to name a favorite thing now? But it's just easier to work out who's real and who's a bot, as it were. So if you can answer the questions, even if they're just, you know, one word answers, that's fine. It just lets me be able to tell the difference between real people and whatever those other pages are. Uh, Thank you to Scott for being a Patreon supporter. I hope you enjoyed this deep dive on David Lynch's work. If you'd like to have an episode dedicated to you, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid. Adelaide friends, don't forget to use promo code Big Squid to access a discounted ticket for our Big Squid Live. It's happening at the Rhino Room on September 16th. Rove, Gleason, Adam, Ben... They're all joining me to discuss the work that we fell in love with as a kid and inspired us as adults. There is another wave of guests to be announced, so make certain you keep an ear out for that announcement soon. I'll be back Thursday with Garth Jones and his Osploitation segment, Pass the Amel. And this week, (laughs) we're watching Howling 3, The Marsupials. So if you have time to check that out, you know, go ahead. We'll be discussing it on Thursday. Let's finish today with a quote from the brilliant Naomi Watts. You have to make peace with yourself. The key is to find the harmony in what you have. Until then. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.